Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're continuing through this uh, series of lessons that I hope will be edifying for you. And as we look at the Scripture today, I want you to look for those phrases that uh, emphasize the title. We're all in this together. You know, there are times that we can think that, well, you know, I don't, I don't have the gifts to do these kind of things. I don't, uh, uh, you know, I, I just don't have the time or I just don't have the resources. I, I just, you know, uh, or maybe even we think, hey, well, I'm too old to be a part of this. Well, folks, <laughs> the only time you're too old is when the Lord calls you home and then you're starting all over again. But as long as you're here, you're here to serve. So we are all in this together. So as I read from Ephesians chapter 4, please see that phraseology as it is used here. I will emphasize it for you. We are reading the, the very inspired Word of God. Therefore, out of respect and reverence for the author of Scripture, please stand for the reading of His Word this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 11, Paul has talked about the unity within the body of Christ, the fact that everybody has a role, and then he picks up the reading, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the knowledge, of, of, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, we do commit this time to You and pray that You would guide and direct us, O Father, that uh, we would be faithful to the Scriptures. For it's in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. As we've come to this point, we uh, define the church, you remember, as a group of people whom God has drawn together for a task, for a purpose. And so the church has a, a purpose. It's not just here taking up space. And we who are part of that church are, are not just here as individuals taking up space. Uh, but rather, we are here for a task, for a purpose, and God has given us this task. We saw a couple of Sundays ago that as these people who are on this task, that we're to shine as lights in the midst of darkness, and we're to impact the, impact the community in which we live. In other words, uh, once again, we are here to impact, to change things. I, uh, months ago, heard the question, which would you rather be, a thermometer or a thermostat? Well, as a Christian, there's really no choice. We are to be 
thermostats. Why? Well, a thermometer does what? It reflects the temperature in the room. What does a thermostat do? It sets it, you see. And I'm afraid, as we look at our country, all too often we've been busy reflecting our culture rather than impacting our culture, you see. And, but, but this is our task. We're to be lights in the midst of that. And uh, part of what we talked about last time I was here, that as these people who are commanded, or as, as these people who are called, we are commanded to go. Remember, we established the fact that Jesus Christ is our King. And when a King commands, what are His subjects to do? And I used the charge of the Light Brigade. Where to go? Where to be obedient? No questions asked, you see. So as we think about this, the command to go, it's the idea of going outside of these walls and impacting the world in which we live to tell our story. And I asked you to, gave you some homework. Remember, I asked you to think about your story. And every believer in Jesus Christ has a story to tell. Because, as Paul tells us in the book of Colossians, we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light. That story is very different for every person. And please understand as well that the story that we oftentimes fall into, that the trap we fall into in our culture is, oh, it's got to be some kind of horrendous story. You know, I was on this big drug trip and, 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 and a, shine, a shining light called forth and man, I came, the Lord saved me. No. The story can be as beautiful and to me this is the most beautiful of stories. I grew up in a Christian home. And there was a day that there wasn't a day that I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You see, uh, you find this in Scripture. Obviously, Paul had a tremendous story, you know, being knocked off his horse there on the Damascus Road. David had a very different story. From the time he was born, he knew Jesus, you see. So, you all have a story, but so don't fall into the trap of thinking that you have to have an exciting story. Exciting as the world says. Every story about Jesus, guys, is exciting. Now, for today, every member of the body has a role to play. That's what I hoped you saw in the portions of Scripture that I emphasized in Ephesians chapter 11, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. You also see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul actually describes the church as being a body, a physical body. And the emphasis there is that every part of that body is extremely important. Okay? There is no one within God's kingdom who is second rate. There is no one who is within God's kingdom who doesn't play an important role in reference to the work of the kingdom. Now, there's been a lot of news you know, about Peyton Manning recently because of his injury and now being released by the Colts. And uh, he may very well be the greatest quarterback to ever have played that position. But at the same time, though we know the name Peyton Manning, we don't 
we probably don't know the name Jeff Saturday for most of those years hiked him the ball. What could Peyton Manning have done if his center hadn't given him the ball? And what would he have done if those no-name linemen didn't keep those 300-pound behemoths off of Manning who were trying to break him in half? And what would we know of Peyton Manning if you didn't have receivers who made their cuts and ran their routes and caught the ball when it was thrown to them? And then, what if the defense never bothered to stop anybody? So when you think about Peyton Manning, you need to think in terms of the entire 60-some players that were involved in that. And that same illustration goes for the church of Jesus Christ because every member of the body of Christ is important to the operation of the body. Every member is important. Secondly, every member is significant. Listen as I read from 1 Peter chapter 2 as Peter talks in reference to the significance of the people within the body of Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. The significance of all those whom God has drawn together are significant. Everyone is equipped. Everyone, as we understand biblically, has at least one gift to be used. Now, we got into a discussion a little bit in in Sunday school class in terms of judgment and this kind of thing. Well, one of the things to always keep in mind, God judges us based upon what we do with the gift or gifts He's given to us. Now, one of the frustrating things as a teacher is... As I evaluate my students, I'm locked into a system. And that's pretty much performance-oriented, objective standard. And what frustrates me is to have a kid who's a brilliant kid, who'll get an A, but he doesn't work hard at all because it all comes so easy for him. And then I've got this kid over here who busts his butt every time. But the best he can do is a C. And I reward this kid because of the system in which I operate. I reward this kid who doesn't use the awesome potential God has given to him. And I penalize this kid who uses every bit of his potential. How does God evaluate us? How we use that potential. And so, as we think in terms of rewards in heaven, folks, there's going to be a lot of, quote-unquote, from the human standpoint, a lot of no-names that God used in a mighty way when maybe some people who were really talented Remember the phrase, to whom much is given, much will be required. They may not be the big names in heaven. You see, everybody in God's church has gifts. You read this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. And those gifts are to be used for God's glory. Sarah, so as we think in terms of 
this aspect of all of us are in this together. We recognize that we are important, we are significant, that we are equipped, and that we have opportunities. Opportunities to share the reality of Jesus Christ. To be witnesses, you remember Acts chapter 1 verse 8, where to be witnesses, a witness is that one who has seen, that one who has experienced. And so if we have experienced the reality of Jesus Christ, then there's a very real sense in which my outward focus is driven by that relationship with Jesus. And if we haven't been busy in terms of living our lives to exalt the name of Jesus, then brothers and sisters, we may need to look in the mirror and ask the question, how much do I love Jesus? Because if we love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then that means my entire life is going to be changed. It's going to be, it's going to be revolutionized. We ought to be the best workmen. In our company, we ought to have the best families. In other words, we ought to exalt the name of Jesus in all that we do. And this is part of being that light. This is part of exalting His name. Let me give you some ideas. Now remember here again, we're talking about the entire body being involved. Let me give you some ideas and. And uh, as we think about this, uh, think about Colossians chapter 4 where Paul talks about that we would be able to uh, witness to whomever we talk to, uh, that uh, we, as Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, that we're to always be ready to give the reason for the hope that is within us. Okay? Uh, throw out the idea of grabbing somebody by the collar and simply saying, let me tell you about Jesus. Listen to what Scripture teaches us. To begin with, I would say, number one, I, I, I like to use the, phrase, use the phrase, sanctified common sense. You know, an interesting portion of Scripture is Casting your pearls before swine. Have you ever thought about that in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talks about being selective in what you say to people? Uh, If you go to a group of pigs and you offer them pearls, they haven't got a clue. And as Jesus says, they'll turn around and they'll, they'll stomp on these pearls and they'll crunch on them and they might even come back after you. Because pearls mean nothing to a pig. And so, obviously, there are times uh, that the Lord tells us that we need to be very wise in terms of what we say and what we do, okay? And so, this is what I call sanctified common sense. By sanctified, that means you're growing in the Lord. That means that Scripture is becoming more and more a part of your life as you live it out, okay? Common sense, the wisdom that He has given to us, the ability to think, the ability to reason, the ability to analyze and so we, 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 uh, we, we grow that through the use of Scripture so we become more and more sanctified in using God's wisdom. So we start with sanctified common sense. As you think in terms of what I challenge you to do with your homework, as you learn to share your faith, think of this. Now these are all examples from Scripture. 
Number one, Jesus met people on their turf. Remember, all the way from Nicodemus, who came to visit him at night, to the Samaritan woman as they sat on the well, obviously challenging the dictates of his culture because a Jewish man for certainly didn't speak to a woman, much less a Samaritan woman. And yet these were casual conversations. Jesus asked questions and then he listened. I find it interesting that James says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Uh, I think one of our big problems in, in any kind of going is the fact that we're so busy telling that we don't bother to listen. And I may have the greatest information in the world, guys, but if they're not asking the questions for which my information applies, what good am I to them? A good lesson is simply to look into the mirror and see how the Lord designed us. One mouth, two ears. So listen. Learn to listen. Jesus listened. He took time to get to know them, find out where they were. The church, in in Acts chapter 2, it says that the people respected them. That didn't mean that the people always agreed with them, but they respected them. They respected what they, what they stood for because they lived lives consistently. Uh, Acts 2, we see Peter with confrontational preaching. Acts 17, we see Paul in intellectual discussion. John 9, we see the blind man who gives his testimony. Remember, as he stood before the Pharisees and they were grilling him, Listen, I can't answer your questions. Now, see, this is a deal. Don't don't get involved in philosophical discussions. He couldn't answer their questions, and and, and most times we can't really answer the questions, but just like the blind man, remember what he said? One thing I know, I was blind. What? Now I see. In other words, this guy changed my life. And let me tell you how. Matthew. You have in Matthew chapter 9, a party. And Matthew invites all of his friends. Remember, Matthew was a tax collector, not really highly regarded on the social uh, structure there in the Jewish culture. And he invited all of his friends, other tax collectors, and the word even, the scripture even uses prostitutes, harlots, to this party. Why? He wanted them to meet Jesus. You see? So you, you have a picture of interpersonal type things. Dorcas, we find in Acts chapter 9 that her works of service made her well known. Paul, in Acts 24, in a discussion with Felix, presents the gospel. In Acts 16, in response to difficulty, remember Paul and Silas were in prison and and, uh, uh, they didn't leave, not to mention the fact that they sang hymns and praised the Lord in terms of uh, while they were there. So the, the, the guard, the jailer says, I want what you have. So their reaction to adversity. Paul makes himself available. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about, I become all things to all people, that what? That I may win them to Christ. That doesn't mean you become an alcoholic to minister to the alcoholics. But what do you do? 
you go to where the alcoholics are to minister to the alcoholics. Interesting thing happened several years ago in South Carolina. A man who was in our presbytery had a meeting with... Uh, 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 the individual wasn't a member of his church, but it was someone that he'd been talking through to. And the only place they could, where it was convenient to meet was in a bar. And so the preacher got there. And as customarily, to, 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 as was his custom, uh, in order to not waste time, he got there a little bit early. But he would always bring books with him. You know, so he wouldn't waste any time. And the guy was running late, and so he's sitting over here in the corner, and he's reading books. And people in the bar came and asked him questions, and he found himself counseling that entire afternoon. He ended up talking to a session about whether this would bother them or not if, if, if one afternoon a week he would simply set up shop in the corner of the bar and be there to counsel anybody who wanted to hear about Jesus. See? Made himself available. We, we almost like to run and hide within the walls, you see. It's a lot safer there. Philip made himself available. You remember Acts chapter 8 in terms of meeting with the Ethiopian eunuch. Andrew impacted Peter. Remember? John chapter 1, he got his brother and he said, I want you to meet this guy. Philip and his friend Nathaniel, you know, Philip didn't get into a theological argument. Remember Nathaniel goes, ah, what good thing can come out of that place? And Philip says, yes, come and see. So, here again, you can invite people to church. You can invite people to Bible studies, things like that. But you want to make those contacts with them. And realize there's a multitude of ways in which you do that. Which leads to what I call contact points. All of you have contact points. These are points where you come into contact with the unbeliever around you. How many of you could know all the neighbors, all of your neighbors? When was the last time all of you talked to your neighbors? Do your neighbors know that you love Jesus? That's a contact point. As I talk about contact points, and by the way, Kim's going to be running off some copies of some sheets if you all want this information I'm talking about, you know, please talk with her. Contact points. To me, the most interesting one in my life has been tennis. And it has nothing to do with the fact that it's the most biblical game there is. Why? Well, when you have nothing, you still have love, right? Isn't that the beauty of grace? Right? But we'd be here all afternoon if I took time to share with you all the people that I've been able to talk about Jesus with through tennis. That's a contact point, you see. That establishes a ground where we can stand equally. And, and you talk about that, you see. You, you talk about the things that are important to you and you listen to what they have to say. Uh, scrapbooking, I don't know if that's that important anymore, but at one time scrapbooking was a big thing, you see. But there are tons of things that we can do, especially involving hobbies, because, you know, God gives us these things and, and, we, and, and we get to enjoy them, but we can enter into the lives of others through these things. Hunting, fishing, bridge, chess. Could go on and on. 
Desserts? <laughs> That's a good one. Getting together with your neighbors. Hey, let's, let's share some desserts, you see. What are you doing? You're building relationships and you're showing people that you care. And you're earning your right to be heard. As you think of these relationships, you're building a rapport. You're demonstrating respect sincerely. You, you, you really are concerned about them. And this is one thing we have to be careful of, guys, because you're, 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 you aren't out there getting scalps. You know? You're, you're out there because you care about them because they're image bearers of God. And because you care about them, you want to share what's the most important thing that's ever happened in your life with them. You know, Paul in Philippians chapter 3 talks about the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Well, if He's that important to us, then you, 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 you want to know Him and you want to share that with others. Show genuine interest. Don't make it fake. You're dealing with image bearers of God. Be respectful. Be available. Be a good listener. Ask open-ended questions. Do you know Jesus? Nope. See you later. If you ask questions that can be answered by one word, especially no, yes, that kind of thing, the conversation's over. So learn to ask questions that bring about discussion. Hey, what's the most important thing to you? What's going on in your life? You see... Things that generate conversation. Ask questions about them. Show you're genuinely interested. And don't condemn. Don't look down upon. Be courteous. Demonstrate the reality of what it means to love Jesus. A couple of more formal ideas can be things like Start an evangelistic Bible study in your home. You know, you, you, you can say, well, uh, we're going to talk about the family. Now, you know I'm a Christian, and so we'll be talking about it from a biblical standpoint, but we would love to have you come. We'd love to have you be a part of it. And we aren't afraid of your questions. You see, I've seen situations where supper clubs, dinners for eight type of a thing, where you would have people who uh, half of the group were believers, other half were not. And you're building relationships. Whatever it is, guys, every one of us is involved. And that means every one of us is to go to impact the culture in which we live. We understand that God is sovereign, but how does God work His wonderful purposes? through His people doing what the King has commanded to fulfill the task of going that we might impact the world in which we live. Every one of us, every one of us is a part of that. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that You would give us great wisdom. That we would be the instruments that You would use 
that the name of Jesus would be exalted. For it's in His glorious name we pray. Amen.